Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up, and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today on Monday, April 17th. Frank Stample joined by the gang. We're all back together, Scott White and Chris Towers. Today on the show, we're going to recap all of this weekend's action. We'll hit on the waiver wire ads, what is going on with Alec Manoa, and more prospects. Who doesn't love prospects? Make sure to like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating. We really appreciate it, and it really helps. So thank you. Let's start off, guys. I mean, the end of last week, we had like Edward Julian, and it seems like Taj Bradley might be getting called back up, and... Now we get even more over the weekend. Zach Neto was called up by the Angels on Saturday, and we get news on Sunday that Brett Beatty is likely to be called up uh, by the New York Mets as well. Seems like that will happen here on Monday. Eduardo Escobar is off to a brutal start, and uh, we will begin there, Scott, with Brett Beatty, mm-hmm. who I know was uh, very high in your prospects to stash on the site, and we saw Number him. One. We saw him for a bit last year, and a former first-round pick back in 2019. Absolutely crushing it this year in the minors. Nine games at AAA, batting 400 with five homers, an OPS over 1,300, 66% rostered. Is Brett Beatty just a must-add wherever he's available? Yeah, pretty close. You know, any anytime I bring up a prospect, I, I always get questions on Twitter. I say, oh, look, this guy's coming up. And it's like, oh, should I drop this guy for him? Should I drop that guy for him? And... Uh, you know, sometimes when you're actually lining up names, it, it gets a little hard to say. I would prefer Brett Beatty over Spencer Steer. 
Yeah, I'd rather have him than Spencer Steer. I'm trying to think of some of the examples people were actually giving me. But yes, ultimately, I think Brett Beatty is somebody you want to pick up. If you can at all manage it, regardless of what position you'd be dropping, I think there's a lot of off- offensive upside here. I think we saw it in the little bit he was up last year. He got 42 plate appearances, only struck out 19% of the time. Average exit velocity, 91 miles per hour. He hit a, he hit a ball 113 miles per hour. He was putting up premium exit velocities even against left-handed pitchers. And you mentioned what he was doing at AAA, Frank. Uh, I saw I saw a tweet over the weekend before news of him coming up that among average exit velocity leaders in the minors, and I don't think they're. I, I don't think every venue is able to record that. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of spotty data we're using here, but Brett Beatty among all minor leaguers had the top average exit velocity so far. And it was over a hundred miles per hour average exit. Velocity. Yeah. He, he had a 73, uh, 73% hard hit rate <laughs> and all, but one of his batted balls had been over 90 miles per hour was the stat. I saw that was Mike Petriello. I think that that tweeted that one. Mm. So, like good plate discipline um, just really impacts the ball as hard as you'd want a player to. Uh, and though he bats left-handed, he seems he seems like he should be capable of handling left-handers. There is a question, particularly with the, the way the Mets have handled Francisco Alvarez. Uh, and, and Brett Beatty has some defensive question marks himself. Like, are they kind of kind of play games with that? Are they going to only start him against righties and have Eduardo Escobar interfere with the playing time? Ultimately, it comes down to how well Beatty performs. Mm-hmm. But if there is any hesitation to pick up Beatty in a shallower league, let's say, okay, so here's some examples. Uh, somebody was asking Miguel Vargas or Brett Beatty. Would I drop Miguel Vargas for Brett Beatty? And I'd have a hard time doing that. Somebody asked, would I drop Jordan Walker for Brett Beatty? No, eh, no I can't. See Gunnar Henderson, would that. you drop him? I wouldn't do that either. So, like, uh, somebody asked Christian Walker. I think that would be hard to justify as well. So, Christian Walker, if you, Jordan Walker, uh, Gunnar Henderson. Who was the other one you said? Miguel Vargas. Uh, Miguel Vargas, yes. I mean, in our drafts, those were all top 150 picks. And, you know, outside of Vargas, the rest of those guys were all top 120 in ADP. So, like, that's that's not a knock on Brett Beatty to say you wouldn't drop him, right. drop those guys for him. It's just when the rubber meets the road, uh, the kinds of comparisons I was getting on Twitter. It always makes me a little hesitant to say, oh, Adam, at all costs. Not at all costs. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you should try really hard to add Brett Beatty. Let's try and just figure out right now on the fly where we're going to move Brett Beatty up to in our rankings. Because, Scott, I have yours open right now. And I think you can make the case he should be as high as like 14 or 15. I mean, that's keep Brian Hayes and Brendan Donovan in your rankings. So, yeah, I'd take him over those two. Yep. So then we get into like Alec Bohm and Eugenio Suarez and Matt Chapman. I don't think I, I would take Beatty over any of those three, but it is really close. I, I th- yeah, I, I think that's the. So where does that put him in my rankings? Thirteenth. That, that would put him at fourteen. Fourteen. Uh, I might take him over Suarez strictly in a points league because uh, Suarez and all the strikeouts. But otherwise, yeah, I think I think we've I think we found the right point in the rankings to put Beatty. So that that puts him outside the top twelve at third base. That's why, like, 
okay, maybe if you're talking like a 10-team league with standard head-to-head lineups, no extra corner infielder, maybe it would be a struggle to get him on your roster. But like, you may end up regretting it because there there is serious upside here. Chris, in terms of fab, I had a waivers run in my Tout Wars League at 8 p.m. on Sunday night, and... This is a head-to-head points league with Roto-style lineup, so it is a little bit deeper. You know, we go five outfielders, corner, middle, two catchers, uh, and Brett Beatty went for 154 out of a $1,000 budget, so right around 15%. Does that That's sound right? way less than I expected. Uh, I was thinking he was going to be a guy who you'd have to drop at least 25% and potentially, you know, 40 or or 50%. In some leagues, you know, obviously, if you really, really need him, especially in a 15 team league, uh, that, that would be my expectation. Um, he was rostered in all the the leagues where Fab has run so far for me, which is only two TGFBI and Tout Wars. Um, but that is surprising, even with the, you know, at 12, because like Zach Neto went for 361. We'll talk about him shortly in, in Tout Wars. And I got him for 212 in. TGFBI, so I would have thought Beatty would go for more than that. Yep, so Beatty wasn't available in any of my 15 team leagues, but I, I agree with you. If he was available there, he probably would go for up over you know 20%. Eh, 12 team points league, even with Roto style lineups, you know, I think 15 to 18%, something like that makes sense for Brett Beatty. Uh, I was actually the backup bid at 43. I just didn't really need corner infielder, so I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. everyone just kind of forgot that he was available, and, and that's how that happened. Let's talk about Zach Neto, who was called up by the Angels. David Fletcher was optioned down to the minors, and Neto was last year's for, uh, first-round pick, 13th overall, so the Angels are being pretty aggressive in uh, in calling him up already. Only 44 games played in the minors for Neto, and we've seen this in the past with guys like Reed Detmers, Chase Silseth. The, the Angels draft guys that are near major league ready and then mm-hmm. they pushed him like rather quickly through the system uh he hit eighth on saturday in his debut and then he was lead off sunday mm-hmm. with uh taylor ward out of the lineup chris we'll start with you this time um zach Nato, he went hit listen in both of his first two games but what are your thoughts on what he'll provide for fantasy and the same kind of fab conversation how much are you trying to put down for him i mean how do you how do you project a guy who has 44 pro- professional games under his belt who went to a small school. He went to uh, Campbell University. So we're, it's not like we're talking about like this dude was dominating the SEC or anything. This this was a situation where he went high, but there were still some questions about, you know, the quality of competition he faced and, and how he'd fare going up a level. And then he did really well in the Cape Cod League and held his own, uh, more than held his own last year in his professional debut. So it's really hard to know how to value this guy because it is this a situation where it's just like, yeah, he's a, a high floor guy who moved quickly because they think he can be a two win player right away. Or is this a case where they weren't, they had no plans on calling him up in 2023 when they drafted him and he's just so advanced and so skilled and, and took a bigger leap than expected that there's a superstar outcome here. I kind of mm-hmm. think, even if the likelier outcome is it's just this is a team that needs to make the playoffs and they think he can help them do that. I, I think you kind of have to give him a chance to to show that he can be a star because with how aggressive they moved him up, with how productive he's been in the small sample size, it's within the realm of possibilities that, you know, we're looking at a, a guy who could go 2020 over the course of a full season. I think the likelier outcome is like, 
I don't know, like a Josh Rojas type player, you know, maybe a little more balanced on the power speed, but not someone who's like a must start player by any means. Yeah. But given the way the angels have handled him, I do think you have to at least account for the possibility that they just, you know, really unearthed the gem here. So he was a consensus top 100 guy, but it was like just just reading the scouting reports for for Zach Neto this preseason, it was kind of a surprise that he performed as well as he did. Mm-hmm. 13th overall pick last year, which, you know, first rounder, but not an especially high first rounder. And um, the consensus seemed to be that though he doesn't have a lot of like raw power the way Brett Beatty does, he maximizes what he has because he has like this big leg kick, leg kick mm-hmm. in his swing and he tones it down with two strikes. So he's able to avoid striking out. And, and like Zach Neto just seems to be this really interesting sort of prospect who, who nobody knows how to evaluate that well, because he just kind of has manipulated his skill set in, in such a way that he gets maximum productivity out of it. And will that translate to the majors? Well, the, the angels are optimistic that it will. Uh, I think what's most exciting about the Neto call-up as opposed to like Edward Julian last week or um, you, you know some of the other prospects we've seen called up recently, Francisco Alvarez, is this was entirely merit-based. Mm-hmm. Neto, exactly. It's not like a shortstop went down and so they were forced to call Neto up to replace him. Like he he just, forced their hand. Right, right. And, and he was batting lead off his second game in the majors. So they, they seem pretty optimistic about him. I would rather have Beatty if I'm, if I'm investing dollars in one of them, but shortstop is a position that's become a glaring need in a lot of leagues. And Neto could be, um, you you know, could be just what the doctor ordered as far as that goes, if it works out, I'd rather have Vaughn Grissom who isn't shortstop eligible yet. Of course we saw him called up at the end of last week and he's been playing shortstop for the Braves. And um, I have more confidence in his ability to perform at the major league level. Well, he's played more games at the major league level than Zach Neto has played as a professional. There you go. So that helps. That does help. Uh, But if, if Grissom's already gone and shortstop is just a mess for you, I think Neto's definitely worth a shot. And and we're all in agreement. Oswald Oswald Peraza is way below the rest of the guys we're talking about, right? Yeah, because he did get called up as as an uh, with with Giancarlo Stan going on the aisle, yes. right? So he doesn't have a clear place to play. That that's the biggest reason. That's the biggest separator between him and Neto for me. Mm-hmm. It's like Peraza's wasn't merit based. He's like he might just be. He might be up for four for days, a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not based on if we're just talking about like prospect pedigree and talent. I mean, I think, you know, Peraza might even be ranked higher than Zach Neto, but I don't think he's going to be around for long. It sounds like Josh Donaldson will be back at some point this week. So seems like a short stay coming for Peraza. Uh, Zach Neto, in terms of fab in the leagues where it's run so far for me in two fifteen team leagues, 133 and 97 out of a thousand. So between around 10 to 13 percent, I got him in my tout wars league mm-hmm. for $43. So 4%. I mean, I that's what I bid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't win him, but that, that, that I think is closer to a reasonable bid depending on how badly you need a shortstop. You know, if, yep. if you're desperate, then you got to act desperate, but yeah, I did get him in TGFBI. Like I said, for two twelve. the backup bid there, the number two was one eighty nine. So, so was, you know, someone else wanted him right uh, along with so who me. did you have a shortstop that you went that high? Uh, who did I, uh, Ezekiel Tovar and Luis Garcia. So, 
not great. Yeah, but but like just from a if if like would we all still take Tovar over Neto? I think I would. I would. I wouldn't drop Tovar for Neto, but given what we've seen from Tovar and the how low he's batting in the lineup, especially, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Neto played very so like I, I think the skill sets could be pretty similar, at least in a neutral context, obviously. You know, if Neto played at course field, I might like him more. Mm-hmm. Scott, you said that you would take Vaughn Grissom over Neto. Would you take Neto over Edward Julian if you're just talking about a middle infielder? I like Julian's skill set a lot more, but um, Joey Gallo's set to come off the IL like Wednesday, I think, midweek. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't know what happens then. Trevor Larnick slowed down, so maybe they send him down instead of Julian. I mean, clearly the they've been batting Julian leadoff against right-handers, so they it seems like they value him more, his bat more than. Uh, than Larnick, but I don't know. I'm kind of in. I'm kind of stuck in neutral, kind of frozen, not really knowing what to do with Edward Julian right now. Yeah, I think it would come down to: Do I need a shortstop specifically, or do I just need a middle infielder who can hit? And if it's the latter, I probably lean Julian slightly. I tweeted out Saturday that I would rank it Grissom, Neto, and Edward Julian. I agree with you that I like the offensive skill set. I think more than for Julian than I do Neto. But the uncertainty about Jorge Polanco returning soon and just what are they going to do with Julian? Yeah. Just that slight sliver of doubt. I think I, I would probably lean with uh, Zach Neto over Edward Julian <sighs> myself. Let's get into some of the, this weekend's action. Oh my goodness gracious, players of the night. The impossible has happened! Yeah, so that was the New York Mets broadcast. That was when Bartolo Colon hit a home run. <laughs> Give a shout out to the Mets. You know, Brett Beatty just got called up. So why not? Uh, let's start with Scott. Oh my goodness gracious. All right. So this seemed pretty impossible too, not so long ago, that we'd be talking about Johan Oviedo as a potential pickup in fantasy. Uh, he caught my attention late in spring training. I noticed how many whiffs he was getting once, once StatCast data became available for him and his slider was up three miles per hour. And I mean, just from the context... Okay, well, let me first get one to Johan Oviedo did this week. And at St. Louis on Friday... Seven innings, one earned run allowed, 10 strikeouts in those seven innings, six hits, one walk. Really good start. And that was after uh, having a a good outing in his previous start, too, against the White Sox. Now when Oviedo, six and two-thirds shutout innings, five strikeouts in those six and two-thirds innings, but 18 whiffs on 89 pitches. He had 13 whiffs in that St. Louis start. So just from, okay, he's, he's from the perspective of he's Johan Oviedo and why are we doing this? Okay, <laughs> put that aside. If I just told you a guy has a fastball that regularly hits 99 and a slider that regularly hits 91 and he's not struggling to throw strikes, like that would be reason enough to be interested in him, right? Forgetting his name is Johan Oviedo. He's like a, Big guy who you wouldn't suspect would have obvious durability issues and has just looked really nasty. And I don't know what happened to his slider that caused it to gain so much life, but ultimately it's, you know, it it is what it is. He's throwing a slider 91 miles per hour and it was, you know, he was the star of pitching Ninja for the night with the way he was getting the, the kinds of swings he was getting from the St. Louis lineup against that slider. So I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, He also, Oviedo, is eligible at RP, if that matters to you, in a points league, for instance. He does pitch for the Pirates. That's not so great. 
but um, exciting enough that I'm going to take a shot on him everywhere I can and hope it goes better than it did for Chris Bubich last Sunday. Mostly I'm hoping I don't talk him up so much here that I like I, I price him out of my own range, which happened with Bubich. I only got him in two leagues after being so excited about him last Sunday. But maybe it was all a con because now Bubich is hurt. I mean, look, and the Bubich thing, that, like, suckers. Let, let's address it. Because it's okay. like people were like, oh, Bubich was a bust. And it's like he got hurt. <laughs> like I, it wasn't even like because originally we thought oh well the weather was bad like he was pitching with a forearm strain so we don't no. know if that was a bad advice situation or not I mean like we don't I guess if you thought we could have predicted he would get hurt maybe but like that's kind of silly so like I, I do imagine he's going to wind up on waivers Right, right back on waivers in a lot oh, of absolutely. I, because there's so many I, players hurt. And even if you have IL spots, yeah. do you really want to use it on Bubich? I think it's fine to drop Bubich for Johan Oviedo. We have like a good start and a half from Chris Bubich basically in his career to go off. That's not the point. The point yeah. is that it wasn't necessarily bad process to add and be excited no, about Chris Bubich based on what he looked like. I will say I'm Oviedo's not a high priority in my 12-team leagues. Uh, based on, I, I like, you know, you said you're not sure what he did to his slider to that it's that he's throwing it so hard. I think it's probably that it's just more like a cutter now than a slider. He's well, traded some a lot of movement on that pitch. Yeah, he's kind of, but he's he's throwing it harder and he sacrificed a little bit of movement as a result, um, which is fine. It's working for him. He's got a 36% whiff rate. He's got good results on balls and play. There's nothing wrong with it. I just, I worry that he might just be a one pitch pitcher. And it, hey, I mean, if, if he can throw a slider slash cutter 40% of the time and get good results with it, it, it might be enough. I just, I'm, I'm skeptical, but hey, I'm, I'm a skeptical guy. I don't know that we have enough data to say whether he's just a one pitch pitcher or not, but I noticed that his curveball has, performed really well this yeah, year his too. curveball yeah has decent results as well yeah he's only thrown it 64 times so i mean we're still mm-hmm. kind of learning but a 0.056 batting average against on it nearly a 30 percent whiff rate on the curveball and he throws hard with the fastball so i mean yeah you know, yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty got a okay i mean hitters it's getting crushed but he's getting whiffed with it. it yeah he's <laughs> got he has a 25 percent whiff rate on the four seamer which is a that's, high whiff rate good. for yeah. a four seamer yeah so, Johan Oviedo, 31% rostered. Obviously, team context, not great with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but 15 strikeouts, just one walk over his last two starts. The problem, if you pick him up this week, is that he's at Coors Field, so you probably do yeah. not want to start him the first time you pick him up. But if he goes out and performs well in Colorado, then mm-hmm. he probably would go for even more money in Fab than, than he would go tonight. So, if you're just thinking about picking him up, I think that's a good reason. I'll compare him to a few other waiver wire pitchers in just a little bit when we get to those names. Chris, oh my goodness gracious, for you from the weekend. I'm struggling between a player who was good and a player who was bad. But since you're going to go with a player who was bad, and I assume we're going to talk about Sandy Alcantara in a little while, I will go with Jared Kelnick, who we talked a lot about uh, at the end of last week when he had the three homer streak. But the one thing I pointed out, he hadn't really played against lefties and he hadn't hit any lefties. And then he went out and extended his streak to four straight games with the homer on Friday with a home run off a left-handed pitcher. Now it was Austin Gomber. So not the <laughs> best left-handed pitcher in baseball, certainly, but 
still a home run off a lefty. And that was one of the knocks against Jared Kelnick. So he did the thing. And then, hey, on Saturday, he didn't get a hit. Sunday, he drew a walk and stole a base. So I uh, certainly think he remains a must-add player. Um, I certainly think that skepticism is worthwhile when it comes to his apparent breakout. But he did one of the things that uh, we wanted to see him do. And that was hit a home run off a lefty. So Jared Kelman, yep. way to go. Just check to see if he's available in any leagues. He's up to 90% rostered. Yep. So, I mean, it would have to be the shallowest yeah, was, of leagues. It was 68% on Wednesday. So, yeah, he, he got scooped up pretty much everywhere. So, maybe not today. But when do we start doing the sell high conversation for Jared Kelnick? Uh, we did get an email saying now that Jared Kelnick's better than Juan Soto, but I, <laughs> I don't think that's actually a thing anybody believes. Um, look, it, it all depends on how people are viewing him. If someone views him, you know, like we mentioned Christian Walker as a guy that someone might want to drop for Brett Beatty. If someone offered me a Christian Walker type, like a top 120 pick, top 100-ish player from the preseason, I would sell Jared Kelnick because that's truly selling high. But like, I think if you have Jared Kelnick as a top 150 player overall, and I know you guys aren't uh, keeping top, you know, overall player rankings anymore, but, you know, if that was the range you put him in, I think that'd be reasonable. Ian Happ. A player who was probably drafted ahead of Kelnick and is off to a nice start himself would I, I think I'd be inclined. I mean, it would depend on how shallow the league is because Hap's only so yeah. valuable in a shallow league. His upside is only so high. And Kelnick's is who knows. So I think the shallower the league, the more likely I'd be to hold on to Kelnick in that scenario. And and for most of the audience, I think that mean that translates to hold on to Kelnick over like an Ian Hap. In a 15 team league, I would definitely rather have Hap. Yeah. I think in a 12 team roto, I would rather have Hap. Although it might depend on what we need because I do think, you know, Kalnick's probably going to steal more bases. But I, I think that's a good comp, actually, for the kind of player Kalnick could end up being. You know, you look at what Hap's done the past few seasons and it's been. You'd think more power, I think, would be the, the thing with Kalnick, but probably sacrificing more batting average. So. That's probably a decent call. Mm-hmm. And I honestly hate when people do this, but Scott, I will allow you at some point soon, if Kelnick continues to crush it, to do a victory lap here on the podcast and just slam dunk all those Twitter <laughs> losers that were bashing you during spring training because like you were saying to take a chance on a former top prospect who is going outside yeah. the top 200 and might have upside. So, you know, what's funny is I, I priced Kelnick out of my range too. I didn't draft him anywhere. <laughs> yeah. He ended up, uh, he ended up the last week before the season started at, at NFC. He was like a right around the top 200. I think it was like 195. Yeah. I, I didn't wind up with him anywhere. I, I was not as bullish as you were Scott. So, I mean, uh, that's on me. We'll see if he can continue to keep it up. But man, so far, so good with Jared Kelnick. Let's take our first break here. And when we return, we'll get into a few pitchers that uh, didn't look too good on Sunday right after this. Worn by players like Michael Harris to meet the demand of elite ball players, the New Balance Fuel Cell 4040 V7 is a versatile option. The 4040 V7 is built for the athlete who needs responsiveness and ability to cut and run at their full speed. 
The model features a fuel cell foam underfoot and a synthetic and mesh upper to provide breathability, comfort, and a snug fit as you round the bases. The fuel cell midsole features nitrogen-infused foam specifically designed to propel athletes forward. Learn more about the 4040 at newbalance.com. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. CBS Sports Galazzo Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage, is now streaming on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Plus, don't miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and much more. CBS Sports Galazzo Network, is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game. Chris, before we get into Alec Manoa, you brought up the name Sandy Alcantara. I actually don't have him on the rundown because I didn't think he was like bad enough to actually warrant talking about, but if you want to talk him up as a buy low, I, I have absolutely no problem with doing that. Yeah, I well, I, I mentioned him here just because he. I think it's probably the combination of how bad he was the previous start when he gave up, what, nine runs uh, against the Philly? Was it the Phillies? Yeah, uh, and then people pointed this out to me that apparently the Phillies have been really good against Sandy Alcantara throughout his career. Yeah, Uh, but then he gave up five runs, I think four earned against the Diamondbacks today. There was a little bit of bad luck there. Brian De La Cruz got hit in the face by a line drive. It was one of the worst defensive plays you're likely to see by an outfielder all season. Uh, And then Sandy dropped a play at first base that, wouldn't have gotten him out of the inning, but could have. He would have been in line to get out of the inning before the Corbin Carroll home run. He's giving up a career high 89.1 mile per hour average exit velocity. So I don't want to just say that it's all bad luck. It's probably mostly bad luck. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, Sandy Alcantara is really, really good. He's earned the benefit of the doubt. And uh, I think Alec Manoa has earned the benefit of the doubt. I, frankly, and I don't know if you guys agree. I don't know what to say about Alec Manoa right now. Like so, I know, I know the listeners and the people in the comments and, and on Twitter want us to have some explanations. Some like, this is why Alec Manoa is being, uh, you know, one of the worst pitchers in baseball right now. And really it's just like, he's really pitching poorly, <laughs> but I don't like, like maybe yeah. he's hurt and he's trying to pitch through something and it's not showing up in the velocity for some reason, but he's, you know, overcompensating, but it's just, He's just throwing a ton of walks right now is the yeah. biggest issue. And and that's never really been an issue for him. So I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I wish I could tell you what was going on with Alec Minot, but I don't really have a good answer. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that's fair enough. I, I mean, my my answer is, yeah, he needs to stop walking so many hitters, yeah. which pitch better. 
Right. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's not good enough reasoning because why is he walking? Yeah, you, you could you could go deeper and deeper into the whys if you want to. But like the point of me saying that is I don't see anything else that's especially wrong with him. I mean, even even in today's start, you know, he gave up nine hits in four and two thirds innings. Average exit velocity, 85.7, which is really good. That's what you want to see from any pitcher. Um his velocities seem fine. They were down in his previous little bit, yeah. They were back more or less in this start. Uh, I, I don't know why he's walking so many guys. Four walks or more in, in like, three straight starts. And um, that's not something we've seen from him in the majors before. He's always been the, he's been a good control pitcher, especially last year. The so, biggest change, I guess, is he's throwing his four-seam fastball less. It was 36% of the time last year. It's 28% of the time this year. That's not been a bad pitch for him. It's not like his sinker has been so much better that it's it's a change you would want to make. But maybe he's struggling to control the sinker relative to the four-seamer. And so, I don't know. It's, so it's little, not a compelling case, the, I think. The little bit of explanation that the Blue Jays coaching staff was offering, looking at the team's official site, uh, site the write-up for Alec Manoa's start today is that he feels like he's behind stuff-wise, like he wasn't quite ready to go at the start of the season, and he's trying too hard to compensate for it. That's that's the Blue Jays team excuse. Um, and they're saying, you know, all the positive things you'd want to hear, like they they think he's going to be fine, they think it's just a short-term issue, and... You know, we, we heard the Brewers saying some, something similar for Corbin Burns, and then he turned things around very quickly. So my hope is the same thing happens to Alec Manoa. I want to blame anybody for sitting him right now until yeah. we see that first good start. I, I'm about to that point myself with him. But we're nowhere close to dropping Alec Manoa. No, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I think we have to get to. I know, Scott, usually the cutoff is like Memorial Day. If we're two months in and Alec Manoa has an ERA over five, then... but. Well, it depends what way he's trending. Yeah, it's so tough because I like Luis Castillo, I think two years ago was in a very similar spot where he was awful for the first like month and a half, two months of the season and then was mostly fine. So it's it's tough when there isn't an actionable explanation. There isn't like a thing with Alec Manoa that I can say, well, if he starts throwing this pitch, you know, that that's what's so tough about it. And that's what it was with you know, Luis Castillo a couple of years ago where it was like, everything mostly looks fine. Like it was kind of, everything was a little off, but it wasn't so off that it was easy to pinpoint the turnaround, you know? Mm-hmm. You guys already mentioned the walks with Alec Manoa. Something that stood out to me, he's always been a fly ball pitcher. His home run to fly ball ratio so far is 14.8%. And in his career, he's done a good job of limiting home runs despite being a fly ball pitcher. So for his career, that number is 8.7%. Yeah. So we're talking about it's nearly double. So he's he's walking guys and he's giving up more home runs he's with getting hit on base. So yeah, it, it's it probably all relates to location. Just yeah. he's not. It just has to pitch better. Yeah, yeah, that's what it comes down to. Uh, at the Yankees this week, so you guys said you're you're most likely to bench him, and uh, I, I think that's fair right now with Alec Manoa. Uh, go out and and try and buy low uh, if you have faith that he'll get get it back on track. Wanted to give a shout out to two pitchers that have actually done well this year and have actually been consistent. You can't say that for many pitchers, but Garrett Cole threw a two hit shutout with 10 strikeouts on Sunday against the twins, 18 swinging strikes. He is four and with a 0.95 ERA 0.74 whip, 32 strikeouts over 28 and a third. And the other one is Luis Castillo 
fantastic on Sunday against the Rockies. Seven shutout, two hits allowed, zero walks, nine strikeouts, 19 swinging strikes, .73 ERA, .61 whip, 26 strikeouts over 24 and two-thirds, two pitchers, Actually helping us. Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo. You love to see it. Let's talk about some waiver wire pitchers. And I got a group here that are all over 50% rostered. So perhaps in some shallower leagues. Garrett Whitlock, awesome in his second start on Sunday against the Angels. Seven innings, one run, five strikeouts in that one. 61% rostered at the Brewers this week. Taiwan Walker turned in his first quality start. At the Reds this weekend, six innings, one run, four strikeouts for him. He's at the White Sox later this week. Trevor Rogers turned in his first quality start up against the D-backs. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts there. And he's up against the Giants this week. Mike Clevenger, kind of tough to figure out so far. I mean, he's become just a two-pitch pitcher. And his swinging strike rate is not good. His walks are up. So I I, I don't think I really buy it at all. But mm-hmm. he only allowed one hit, and he had five strikeouts against Baltimore. Uh, he is 68% rostered. Chris, how would you rank this group? Uh, Whitlock, Tywan Walker, Trevor Rogers, Mike Clevenger. I think I would go Rogers, Whitlock. Then there's a gap, and I think I'd probably go Walker over Clevenger. Um, I haven't found Mike Clevenger to be particularly impressive in the early going. Not that Tywan Walker is ever particularly impressive, but feels a little safer for me. But I, I think Rogers and, and Whitlock have a, a clear edge on the other two and upside alone. And Garrett Whitlock is SPARP eligible. So yes. if you play in a points league and you're looking to, to get that little cheat code relief pitcher, that is Garrett Whitlock. How about waiver wire pitchers part two? Eric Lauer turned in his first quality start of the season at the Padres this weekend. Six innings, one run, five strikeouts for him. Yusei Kikuchi bounced back in a big way up against Tampa Bay. Six innings, one run, nine strikeouts for him. Uh, his nine strikeouts, most in a start since July of 2021 for Kikuchi. Carlos Carrasco bounced back at the Oakland A's. Five innings, two runs, three strikeouts for him. And Jamison Tyone had his best start of the season so far with the Cubs. He was at the Dodgers. Five shutout with seven strikeouts in that one. Scott, you get this group. Eric Lauer, Kikuchi, Carrasco, Tyone. How would you rank them? And are you taking Oviedo over all of them? Oh, yeah. I'm taking Oviedo over these guys and I'm taking them over the previous group too. I'm not, um, I I wasn't, I'm I'm not that excited about anyone from the Whitlock, Walker, Rogers, Clevenger group. Uh, But getting back to the group you gave me here, uh, I would rank them Kikuchi, Tyone, I guess Lauer and then Carrasco, though Lauer and Carrasco are basically just streamer types in my mind. Yeah. Kikuchi, I, I might take a flyer on Kikuchi over the previous group too, because I'm like he's had two good starts and one terrible start. And and what the two good starts have had in common is that he's really faded his he really faded his fastball in those two starts. In this most recent start stat, Saturday, he threw the fastball just thirty five percent of the time, leaned a lot more on the slider and changeup. And by the way, the velocity is up on all three of those pitches. So Kikuchi's throwing a lot harder this year. On top of uh, everything else the 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 start where he struggled he used his fastball more like 50 percent of the time and so that the the formula to success for him might be as simple as that it's just the fastball gets crushed stop throwing it so much you have pretty good secondary stuff and the problem um, is it's a lot harder to command the secondary stuff and if you can't throw strikes with them things are going to go off the rails pretty quickly which I, i would imagine is how things tend to go wrong for Yusei Kikuchi. 
when they do go wrong because they tend to go spectacularly wrong. <laughs> they do. <for> <laughs> And I don't, again, I don't want Kikuchi as much as Oviedo. I did not put in a bid for Kikuchi in every league where he was available like I did Oviedo. But I do think he's more interesting than than most of the pitchers we're talking about here. He is SPARP eligible, right? Kikuchi is, yeah. Just like Oviedo. I I think the, like... Feed those cats, Chris. That is the preferred uh, place that I would want you say Kikuchi. I think he's the kind of guy that I, I really can't quit him. And I need to like steal myself against it. And so I don't really want him in a roto league, especially even like a deeper one, just because he has such, he has the ability to just ruin your ratios just single handedly with a couple of bad starts. So I try to avoid him in any kind of season long context. All right. So points leagues, it is for Yusei Kikuchi. This next group includes Wade Miley. Awesome start Sunday. And honestly, he's been really good all season long too. So I guess. Shout out to him. He's uh, he's in that same group as Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo. Seven shutout with eight strikeouts for Wade Miley. He's 34% rostered. Domingo Herman put up a career high 11 strikeouts against the Twins on Saturday. But a very suspicious outing. If those who uh, checked in or watched or, or were following it on Twitter, Domingo Herman's hands were checked for quite some time by the umpires in that game. And he was given some kind of warning going into the dugout, like after the inning was over. And then the we... Um- and clearly we, said you have to wash your hands. Yes. And which then, I've never seen an umpire say. He came, Domingo Herman came back out and they had another really long conversation and then they yeah. just let him pitch. So it was very weird and Rocco Baldelli wound up getting ejected. I don't blame him. It was I don't, just a very weird situation. 35% mm. rostered is Domingo Herman. Uh, Rowanzi Contreras, we kind of know the deal. He's been up and down so far. I, I don't want to completely write him off. He's still young enough where he could figure it out, but uh, he, yeah. he looked good in this one. Turned in his first quality start at the Cardinals. Six innings, two runs, six strikeouts for him. Uh, Chris, what do you think of this group? Wade it's Miley. Just the, it's just the velos down yeah. with Contreras. And, and that's kind of my issue with Trevor Rogers too, even though he fi- had, finally had a good start. Like Both of their velocities are down more than a mile per hour on average, yeah. and that's the, the thing- not showing any improvement. The thing with Rodgers is he is throwing that sinker, the new sinker that um, is generating a lot of ground balls. So I, I think that's a good change for him. His slider remains a work in progress. Um, Contreras, I, I wanted to believe in coming into the season. I've pretty much given up. I've, I've pretty much dropped him everywhere. And this tr- start doesn't really change that for me. I mean, Wade Miley, like we saw in 2021, he had a 337 ERA and 163 innings. He's not going to get you many strikeouts. He's, it's going to be hard to buy in, but he generates a lot of weak contact. And that is one thing that he truly is a standout. It's 25% right now, which is not sustainable, but you know, he's been in 2021, he was a 34% hard hit rate. That's really, really good. So he can, you know, have that Martin Perez, Merrill Kelly type of season. And it wouldn't, it shouldn't shock any of us. It's not someone you're going to run out and add at any point, but it wouldn't surprise me if in three weeks he's up to like 75% rostered and he's just a useful pitcher all season. All right. That is Wade Miley. I definitely want to keep an eye on Domingo Herman and Mm -hmm. and, and see what happens. uh, If there, there isn't so much drama with whatever's going on with his hands because his swinging strike rate for the year now is 17.1. That's, that's ridiculous. And he had the 18 whiffs on 78 pitches in this start. Um, So like if that continues, well, 17.1 17.1 is not going to continue. But if if something over 13 can continue, 
then Domingo Herman might be a, a pretty nice pickup. In deeper leagues, got a few names that stood out this weekend. Ryan Nelson, Braxton Garrett, Michael Grove, JP Sears. We're talking, you know, 15 teamers, um, anything deeper than 12, honestly. I picked up Ryan Nelson in my main event league for like 53 out of 1,000. There's just not much pitching to go around there. So uh, he's looked okay these past two starts. Anything on, on this group? Uh, Nelson, Garrett, Grove, and Sears. Yeah, the most interesting is probably Nelson, just because we've seen him fail the least. Um, he did throw a lot more cutters in this start, which might help him to induce more weak contact. It, it seems like with Nelson, un- unlike Dre Jameson and unlike we hope Brandon Fott will be, like Nelson's not going to be able to rely on strikeouts as much, so... It's it's a trickier profile in fantasy always, but if you can find a way to, to generate weak contact, you can get around that. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take our second break here, and when we return, we'll hit some news and notes. I've got some waiver wire hitters I want to hit later on as well. Uh, we'll do that right after this. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together. And nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome back, and let's talk about some news and notes. Brandon Woodruff has been diagnosed with a subscapular strain in his right shoulder. The good news is that he won't require surgery. The bad news is that he's going to miss more than 15 days. Have you guys seen a timetable? Because I could not find anything on Woodruff. No, I saw just, you know, random people researching how long this injury takes to heal. And they were coming up with figures ranging from six weeks to two months. I I think six weeks is a good default expectation when you don't know anything more. You just know it's not going to be a minimal stint. So that's kind of what I'm thinking with Woodruff six to eight weeks. But it's, you know, that's not official. That's just how I'm operating when forced to operate with not enough information. Gosh, my NL only labor team. I've got Brandon Woodruff and I had Reese Hoskins. So <laughs> it's uh, not really off to a great start. Jeffrey Springs is expected to miss a minimum of two months with nerve discomfort in his left arm. Yanni Chirinos was recalled. And does that mean Taj Bradley gets another look? Chris, what do you think? I would expect so. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't, they haven't said anything one way or the other, but that seems likely given that they're already down three starting pitchers and you know Zach Eflin and Tyler Glass now are probably still a couple of weeks away so I would assume I'm I'm operating under the assumption that Taj Bradley will get an, an opportunity within the next turn rotation and I think there's a chance that Taj Bradley could stick around even once 
everyone's healthy, not including Jeffrey Springs, because they had the Rays are using this combination of like Jalen Beeks and uh, usually an opener uh, mm-hmm. or Josh Fleming to, to follow Fleming, him rather. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think if Taj Bradley pitches well, he could just take that spot in the rotation, even with Eflin, even with Glass now back, because then they'd have Rasmussen and McClanahan as well. And, and that gives you five pitchers. So if Taj Bradley yep. gets recalled and he pitches well, I think he could stick around. I think there's a really good chance of that. Uh, the leagues where Fab ran already for me, Taj Bradley went for 135 and one, 356 in another. So, <laughs> Oof. Uh, yeah, that those were yeah, 15 that's... team leagues. I wanted to see how much he went for in my Tout Wars league. He went for uh, 178. So that's a 12 team head to head points league. Um, so I'm putting Oviedo over him too. Maybe oh, bridge too far for you guys. But look, we just saw Oviedo go seven innings. I don't know how often Taj, uh, Taj Bradley. I always want to say Todd Gibson. Todd Bradley. Now we're talking. <laughs> Former Knicks yeah. great. Yeah. I don't know if you realize, Scott, but when you said that you would take Oviedo over Taj Bradley, I, I hit you with the Sopranos. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking the I, other I wish day. I that and... was something that took off culturally. That's one of my yeah, favorite I Maybe we'll... The way, the way they use O is, <laughs> is like kind of admonishing, like halfway admonishing, halfway like surprised. Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe we may get a segment here on the podcast. Uh, who knows? Oh, oh, uh, Max Scherzer had his next start pushed back to Wednesday due to right side slash back tightness. Do you start this week at the Dodgers? I, I don't love that, but yeah, I'm going to keep him in my lineup where I've got him. Yeah, especially because that's stuff that he's dealt with in the past as mm-hmm. well. So, oh, not great. Jordan Romano was struck in the ribs by a line drive on Saturday. X-rays came back negative. Justin Verlander threw a successful bullpen session on Saturday. It was his first time throwing off a mound since suffering that muscle strain in his shoulder. Carlos Rodon will throw a two-inning bullpen session. It was either Sunday or it's going to be Monday, so I didn't really see it. Maybe it already happened, but um, there's just so much going on. I didn't get to check up on that. Uh, He could progress to facing live hitters soon after. Uh, Joe Musgrove made another rehab start at single A on Sunday. As long as there were no setbacks, he should be cleared to join the Padres rotation later this week. Let's say we get confirmation on Monday that Musgrove will start next weekend. Are you guys just throwing him back in the lineup? I'd be, I'd be fine waiting. Uh, if the matchup's good, I don't know what the matchup is off the top of my head. I, I think it's fine, but it is Arizona. When there's enough, when there's that much time, there's there's always an opportunity for something to go wrong, and I, I think you can just let it go another week. Mm-hmm. Robbie Ray will be reevaluated Monday, after which a throwing program could be mapped out. He's on the IL with a grade one flexor strain. Michael Harris has yet to be cleared to take live batting practice as of Saturday, and he's on the IL with that lower back strain. Tim Anderson is trending towards a late April return. He's on the IL with a sprained left knee. Phillies manager Rob Thompson said Bryce Harper may not t- uh, may not need a rehab assignment in the minors. Perhaps this pushes Harper's timetable up a, a tad, but it still kind of seems like late May, early June is the earliest we'll see Harper back. Ahmed Rosario is day-to-day with a back issue. Dre Jameson may make multiple starts as a fill-in for Zach Davies, whose oblique strain is expected to take several weeks to heal. Madison Bumgarner will remain in the D-backs rotation and is scheduled to start Wednesday against the Cardinals. He's made three rough starts to open the season, and Brandon Fott is lined up with Bumgarner and has looked better over his past couple starts. And Scott, I know Brandon Fott ranks very highly in your prospects to stash as well. Yeah, he might be number one next week because this past week, Brett Beatty and Vaughn Grissom were the top two. 
no reason to to call them prospect stashes anymore. Of course, mm-hmm. Prism not technically a prospect anymore. Yeah. Uh, Max Kepler was activated by the Twins on Saturday. Matt Walner was optioned to AAA. Joey Gallo appears likely to be activated on Wednesday. Again, not really sure what this is going to mean for Edward Julian yet. Brian Bayo is expected to make his season debut Monday against the Angels. Chris, any interest? 30% rostered is Brian Bayo. Yeah, he's rostered in most of the deeper leagues where I would be interested in him. But yeah, he's a... Uh... He's an interesting pitcher. His his FIP last year was actually pretty good. It was in like the low three range. His ERA was like four seven. Um, but he's shown some really good things at AAA. So yeah, I'm interested to see what Brian Bella looks like. And he is making that start early on Monday. So keep that in mind. Oh yeah, 11 a.m. start. Yep. Lineups lock. Yep, 11 a.m. Oh man. Uh, Shohei Otani going up against Brian Bayos. <laughs> wake up bright and early. And, this uh, week always screws me up because yeah. I don't. I don't wake up that early. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't usually either. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's like waivers. Like I'm gonna have to stay up until after waivers run just to set my lineups. That makes yeah. three of us because yeah, you know I'm not waking up early. Michael Conforto has missed three straight due to left calf tightness, but is hopeful he'll return on Monday. Will Smith, the. Which will uh, the catcher for catcher. the Dodgers has missed three straight with an undisclosed it's, illness. It's a concussion. He was placed on okay. the seven day concussion IL oh, on okay. Sunday. Yeah. All right. So make sure to avoid him. John Gray was removed from his start Saturday after getting hit in the forearm by line drive. He told reporters that he does not expect to miss his next start. Other players who went to the IL this weekend, Giancarlo Stanton with a strained hamstring. And just the, the manner in which it happened is that, he hit the ball so hard, everyone thought it was a home run, including him. And then he realized, oh, crap, it's not a home run. He had to start running, and he pulled his hamstring that way. It's just like, oh, yeah, yeah, it never ends. Yoan Moncada, it will, with uh, lower back soreness, he was sent to the IL retroactive to April 11th. Uh, Jake Berger hit a home run in three straight this weekend. He's only 5% rostered. Any interest in Jake Berger in deeper leagues, Scott? Well, he's filling in for Yohan Moncada, and it doesn't sound like Moncada is going to be out long. So that's that's really the main issue there. Berger's always made high quality contact, and I'd like to see him get a more consistent opportunity. But if you're looking for a third baseman off the waiver right right now, JD Martin, uh, JD Davis is the way to go. Yeah, not not Jake Berger. Well, it's. Brett Beatty way at the top, but yes, I mean he's probably not available in in most leagues. Right, uh, but after uh, that, what's yeah. Davis at right now? I think so. Davis is only twenty seven percent rostered, yeah. so he's probably out there for you. And, and he's, he's doing been, some he's doing some good things. He's making, he started nine of ten for the Giants. He's yeah. he's he's having the twenty twenty one season or what year was it? I guess it was the twenty twenty season <laughs> that I was so high on uh, on uh, J D Davis, and it didn't work out. He's doing it for the Giants. There you go. Connor Overton with a right elbow strain. Luke Weaver is set to join the Reds rotation. G-Man Choi went to the IL with a left Achilles strain retroactive to April 20th. Jock Peterson with right wrist inflammation. Matt Beatty and Darren Ruff look like they'll share DH duties in the meantime for the Giants. And Ryan Tapera with right shoulder inflammation. I do want to mention, like, Joe Adele is off to an insane start in the minors this year. I mean, he's hitting home runs basically <laughs> every trade. day. Yeah, I, I wish they would. I, I was talking to the Welsh about it too. He said the same exact thing. He's like, just he's, trade him away, let him. He's a, he's a disaster on defense, and they have Shohei Otani. Well, trade he's, him. He's more than a disaster on defense. I, I think he's just a quadruple A player because he he, swings, he might be. He might swings be. and misses too much on pitches in the zone. That's really the 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 deal break. That's been the deal breaker in the major so far. And um, I don't know that that's changed, even though he's hitting a lot of home runs at AAA. Mm-hmm. 
That's totally fair, but I'd like to see him get a real opportunity, and it's just not going to happen with the way the Angels organization is set up right now. One news item that you uh, wasn't in here, Frank, Max Freed is supposed to be activated yep. Monday for a two-start week, so you'll want to get him in your lineup right away. Very nice. I wanted to ask you about a prospects guy. Everyone is raving about him on Twitter right now. Mason Miller, a starting pitcher with the Oakland A's, 19 strikeouts in eight and two-thirds innings at, in the minors this season, and I think his latest was like five innings with like double digit strikeouts, like 11 strikeouts, no hits. And he had, I think it was 23 pitches over a hundred miles per hour. So uh, there's a lot of hype with this guy right now. Scott, is there any chance Mason Miller gets into the top five prospects to stash? I'll have to look into him more because he is, he has 28 and two thirds professional innings. (laughs) So it's, you know, he wasn't high on the radar for me coming into the season, but yeah, the strikeout numbers have been ridiculous so far. And it's not like, the A's couldn't use another pitcher. And Mason Miller's already 24, so how long how long would they keep him in the minors, you know? This this season is the first time he's faced more than 10 batters in a game <laughs> as a professional. So to be but, fully honest, I, I didn't even know who he was before like Saturday when everyone was freaking yeah, out. Yeah. So well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah average so. average 99.6 miles per hour with his fastball last year at AAA. Oakland can use them too. I mean, it's, it's not like they've well, got great pitchers that are. It's not like they're trying to win games either. That's true. I think they walked the Mets 17 times on Friday night. It was <laughs> absolute disaster. The uh, run differential, they are such an outlier for negative run differential. Brutal. The Rays are just as much for positive run di- differential. It's like they're both 60 something and the next closest team is 20 something. And Oof. you know, whether you're talking pine- positive or <laughs> negative. Yeah, bad bad start for the A's. So bad. Uh, all right, we've got like five, ten minutes left, so I'm, I'm going to hit some waiver wire hitters here, and then uh, we'll probably wrap up with some streamers. But the names that stood out to me this weekend, just check to see if they're available. Jorge Mateo, I, this guy is red hot right now. Three for four yeah. with a sock and a shoe on Saturday. He picked up two more hits and another steal on Sunday. I'm, Go ahead, Scott. Scott. I'm going to have to maybe sing a different tune here on Jorge Mateo because I was pretty dismissive of it, but the strikeout rate is remaining much improved, still below 20%. The exit velocities have been fantastic. He hit three just Saturday, between Saturday and Sunday, Jorge Mateo hit three balls more than 111 miles per hour. Uh, he has eight steals already, as you pointed out, I think, Frank. And um, he, If, if so- you watch him... Um, I'm not a swing guy. There are people who like make that part of their analysis and I'm not that guy. I, I'm not trained in it, but just watching him, like he looks a lot more well-balanced when he's swinging. If you watch, you know, look at like any home runs he hit last season, it kind of looks like he's falling out over the plate. And this year he's, he's got a more subdued leg leg kick. He's got kind of a, a little double tap, but he's like, staying more upright and he, he looks at least a little bit more in control. I'm just looking at, you know, reasons why what Jorge Mateo is doing might be for real. And that's the the thing that stood out to me is just that there seems to be a little more quiet as a hitter. Mm-hmm. He's 82% rostered. So that's why I said, just check to see. I mean, he's likely not available mm-hmm. in your league, but in shallower headset points leagues or even, you know, 10 or 12 team category leagues, uh, Mateo could be out there. I like to create these scenar- scenarios in my head too. Like the Orioles have all these prospects coming. There's probably some level of motivation there, right? Like this guy doesn't want to lose his job. He wants he wants to play as long as he possibly can. And the Orioles have a lot of names coming. So 
Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if a uh, little extra motivation there for him. Rowdy Telez had a double dong on Friday, and he's picking it up after a slow start, 75% rostered. And I know he's one of your uh, top sleeper hitters this week, Scott, so check to see. Numero no. Yeah, my man, Rowdy Telez, if he's out there. For those in 12-team leagues or deeper, Miles Straw, five more hits with another steal this weekend, now up to seven steals. Will Myers went four for five with a double dong on Saturday. He added a stolen base on uh, Friday as well. He's got seven games this week, three at home, four at the Pirates, so some nice matchups there. Shea Langoliers had a big game on Friday, three for five with his third home run, two runs, two RBI. He now has catcher eligibility, 26% rostered. Uh, probably rostered in two catcher leagues already, but you know maybe you lost Will Smith. You need a catcher. Shea Langoliers is out there. And J.D. Davis, who we spoke about, back-to-back multi-hit uh, multi-hit games, a home run in each of Saturday and Sunday's games, and he's only 27% rostered. Scott, any thoughts on this group? Uh, maybe, you know, what size leagues they should be added in? Straw, Myers, Shea Langoliers, J.D. Davis. I think just straight up, J.D. Davis is the one I'm most excited about because he's getting the playing time in San Francisco because I have I thought he had considerable talent in the past, and the Giants have done so well with with retreads. Uh, before that, um, yeah, clearly he's getting the results I wanted to see from him. Um, eh, it's actually nothing special. It's actually better the past two years, but whatever. He's producing. He's at a weak position. He's in a good situation with the Giants. And I think he's worth adding anywhere you need a hitter of any kind. I'm definitely curious about Straw as well. Of course, mostly just a steel specialist, not going to be any power there. But he has maintained a batting average over 300 going back to the start of spring training. And I know he talked about some changes he made with the Guardians coaching staff. Didn't go into a lot of specifics, but it was, you know, hitting was something he put a lot of focus on this offseason. Two years ago, he was a 270 hitter. So if he can do that again, then he'll probably be worth starting in five outfielder roto leagues. Okay. Uh, in deeper leagues, Chris, some names that stood out to me this weekend. Jamer Candelario had a big game on Sunday, four for five with his third home run. He's got nine hits over his last four games and is only 14% rostered. Your boy, Luis Garcia, I know we've tried for a couple of years now to make it happen. Five hits, two home runs this weekend for him. Uh, Will Brennan has started seven straight for the Guardians. He's got eight hits, seven RBI, and a stolen base during that time as well. 7% rostered uh, for Brennan. The problem for the Nats is they only have five games yeah, this week. Yeah, only five so games this week. I don't love that, but uh, I don't know. Any kind of long-term potential in, in deeper leagues here, Chris? I want to believe in Luis Garcia. Uh, the league as a whole has a 946 OPS when swinging at the first pitch. Luis Garcia, when putting the first pitch in play, excuse me, Luis Garcia has put the first pitch in play nine times. Would you like to know what his OPS is on those nine plate appearances where he's put the ball in play on the first pitch? Remember, league average, 946 OPS. Typically, very good things happen when you swing at the first pitch. 646. That is 646 points of OPS too high for Luis Garcia <laughs> when he puts the ball in play on the first pitch. I don't know what to do with that information. I just thought it was remarkable. <laughs> All right. Uh, I wanted to bring up the Pirates because their matchups were pretty interesting for me this week. They've got uh, seven games this week, three in cores. Andrew McCutcheon, 26% rostered. Carlos Santana, 23% rostered. Rodolfo Castro, if you lost a shortstop recently in a deeper league, he's 10% rostered. He's got second, third, and shortstop eligibility. Scott, I noticed that uh, the Pirates were not in your best hitter matchups this week. Is nope. 
Are, are they facing tough pitchers or what's going on there? Well, yeah, they do open the week in Colorado, so that's good. But then they get uh, they get Ashcraft, Hunter Green, and Nick Lodolo in the okay. Red Series to end the week. So middle of the road matchups, I would say. All right, uh, those games in Cincinnati, I think they are right. Uh, I don't have that information pulled up, but they are not. They're in uh, Pittsburgh. All right. Well, yeah, that that probably does uh, lean it closer to the middle of the pack. But hey, games in Coors Field can't argue with that. Uh, let's see where else did I want it to go? Oh my gosh, I had so much stuff on here that we are <laughs> not even going to talk about whatsoever. Uh, I guess we'll just wrap up with some bullpen things and uh, the latest here. The Minnesota Twins, uh, Yoan Duran, he just kind of looks like the guy for now. He, he got his fourth save of the, mm-hmm. over the weekend. For the White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez on Friday, he entered the seventh inning with a three-run lead, two runners on. He gave up a single, a walk, and then a bases-clearing double to Adley Rutschman. I still think he's their best option, but uh, he's, he's kind of been hit or miss for them so far. Uh, for the Cardinals, Ryan Helsley pitched Tuesday and Wednesday la- uh, this past week, and so they gave him Thursday and Friday off. Giovanni Gallegos picked up his first save. Paul Sewalt picked up two saves this weekend for the Tigers on Saturday with the game tied. Trey Wingenter pitched the eighth, Alex Lang in the ninth, Jason Foley in the 10th, and Jason Shreve in the 11th. Alex Lang, his last three or four outings has looked really good, so I kind of think he's going to get the next couple of save opportunities for them, or at least he should if they're trying to win games. For the Mets on Saturday, a one-run lead, Adam Adovino was used in the eighth, David Robertson was used in the ninth, picked up his third save. For the D-backs, Scott McGuff entered on Saturday in the seventh inning with a one-run lead. They quickly had a one-run deficit. He gave up two runs in that one. Uh, the Diamondbacks are probably the hardest to figure out right now. I, I mean, just It's probably Chafin, right? Like that, That's what it is, uh, I let's guess. Let's just not. Yeah, I guess. I, just, I, I think <laughs> the problem is it's not a good team, and they're all bad pitchers. Yeah. I think for, for the most part when I do this, I'm talking about like, 15 yeah. team roto no, leagues I, if you're cha- chasing yeah. saves, but you know, if you play in a 12 team league, this, this, might I just, not I feel like anyone you're trying to chase within the diamondbacks is probably going to hurt you more than they help you. I, I think, I think Chafin's the guy to have. I'd rather have Chafin than like Ronaldo Lopez at this point, I think. Okay. Uh, what about the Cubs? This was interesting on Saturday, Michael Fulmer pitching a ninth inning with a one run lead and he actually gave up two runs and took the loss in that one. Then on Sunday, Fulmer was using the eighth inning in a one-run game, and Brad Boxberger got the save opportunity. He struck out three for his first save. Uh, Scott, do you think maybe Boxberger just kind of works his way in more moving forward? I mean, they they said going in, it was basically between Fulmer and Boxberger. I, I think Fulmer's in more of the, uh, the, the high-leverage role where he'll probably get the majority of the save chances, but might work the eighth inning sometimes. I mean, kind of like we saw with David Robertson for the Mets last week. Remember, he worked the seventh inning in a game. Yep. And Ottavino got his first save, but then they were right back this weekend going Robertson in the ninth inning. And I think that's just... Unless you have a like an obvious closer type, that's, that's just the way more and more teams are handling it. Mm-hmm. Brad Boxberger, 11% rostered for those who play in deeper leagues and are chasing saves. Got to mention the Royals on Sunday. Aroldis Chapman pitched in the eighth inning with the game tied. He struck out three. Scott Barlow got the ninth with the game still tied at the time. He gave up a run and took the loss. I think we're one step closer to getting Aroldis Chapman in that role, and I know that's the way that you guys were leaning last week as well. To stream or not to stream, we'll start with Monday. Brian Bayo, bright and early, up against the Angels. Nope. All right, Hunter Gaddis at the Tigers. Nope. I don't know nope. if this has actually been confirmed, but 
Matthew Boyd was supposed to pitch on Sunday. He now pitches, probably will pitch Monday against the Guardians. Yeah, that's what I've seen, but I don't think it's been confirmed either. Um, uh, I could maybe do that. I'm looking ahead at who else you have here, and that Boyd's probably going to be my first choice for Monday to stream, but it's not with a lot of enthusiasm because he's been... He's been okay, but he hasn't really been working deep into starts. Mm-hmm. What about Kyle Freeland versus the Pirates? That game is in Coors Field. No. Hayden, I don't care what Freeland's done so far, no. Hayden Wesneski at the A's. No, even even against the A's, he's been his whip is like 2.3 yeah. right now. Gosh, spring training was such a long, long time ago. Kyle Muller versus the Cubs. No. Nah. Chris Flexen versus the Brewers. Ryan nope. Weathers versus the Braves. Nope. David Peterson at the Dodgers. No, I don't think so. Nope. I mean, Wesneski's probably my second choice from this group after Boyd. It's just, Ugh. it's not a good group. No, I don't like, I, I would prefer not to use Boyd or Wesneski. Yeah. And looking at Tuesday, uh, it doesn't get that much better. Eduardo Rodriguez versus the Guardians. Mm, that's okay. <sighs> yeah, I... I probably like that better than any of the other ones. Peyton Battenfield at the Tigers. Nah, mm, too risky. Edward Cabrera versus the Giants. Like him any more than any of the Monday ones. <clears throat> but I'm still gonna say no. <laughs> Jose Suarez <laughs> at the Yankees. Nope. No. Nope. Clark Schmidt versus the Angels. No. Nope. Josiah Gray versus the Orioles. Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> Dean Kramer at the Nationals. Nope. Bailey Falter at the White Sox. I don't think nope. so. <laughs> Trey Jameson at the Cardinals. Uh, uh, I'd be more likely to do him than I think anyone else between Monday and Tuesday. Because I think he's pretty good. But will he go more than four innings? Hopefully. Hopefully. And it is the Cardinals lineup, which is dangerous. So it's not a, not a good couple days for streaming pitchers clearly not not so dangerous when they're facing johan oviedo i'll tell you that's good yes. uh ken go. ken waldachuk versus the cubs no way and tyler mcgill at the dodgers no all right we're gonna wrap there for scott and chris i am frank thanks for tuning in to fantasy baseball today please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on apple or spotify we'll be back again tomorrow and i swear we're gonna get to team name tuesday Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team.